Welcome to this week's Gold Dome Debrief, a weekly podcast covering the 2022 Georgia General Assembly session. I'm Aliyah McConnell. And I'm Adam Stevens. These are the week's headlines from the General Assembly. Both Governor Brian Kemp and House Speaker David Ralston spoke this week about removing any Georgia investments out of Russia given its invasion of Ukraine. Ralston supported this move by saying he does not want any money going from Georgia to Russia. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want one penny of a Georgian's money going to subsidize Vladimir Putin. While our role in international affairs is limited, we make clear that our people stand with those who want to live in peace. Thoughts and prayers were sent out to Ukraine this week from members of the House and Senate. The Georgia Senate approved Governor Kemp's Unmasked Georgia Students Act. It would allow parents to override school mask mandates and give them more control over their children's health and education. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, 70% of Georgia is a low-risk environment for COVID. But in those higher-risk areas in North and South Georgia, the CDC still recommends that students remain masked. The bill now moves to the House for consideration. The chairman of the House Human Relations and Aging Committee, Republican Jesse Petrie from Savannah, introduced House Bill 1064, which would provide veterans with exemptions from state income tax on their benefit. So very simply, this bill exempts up to $17,500 of income received from military retirement benefits from state income tax for individuals under 62 years of age. And this bill is very much focused on encouraging those individuals to live and to work in Georgia. And so, in the aggregate, a career military retiree could earn, with this measure, a total exemption of $35,000. Petrie says he hopes his bill will help Georgia be a more veteran-friendly state to attract both business and employees. The Senate unanimously passed a bill that would attempt to lower the state's maternal mortality rate. SB 496 would mandate that medical examiners perform autopsies on all pregnant women who die up to one year after childbirth. Under current law, an autopsy is performed only on pregnant women who are drug addicts, convicts, or die committing a crime. Georgia ranks last in the country in maternal mortality rates. The Board of Regents unanimously voted in favor of former Governor Sonny Perdue as Georgia's new chancellor of the public university system. Perdue is set to take office on April 1st and will face a multitude of important issues including improving enrollment rates, reducing tuition, and improving overall quality of education in Georgia. March marks Women's History Month. Senator Sonia Halpern, a Democrat from Atlanta, marked the occasion by emphasizing women's health. She says more medical attention is needed to keep mothers healthy while giving birth. All of us in this room know where Georgia stands on women's health care. Mothers die during childbirth more often here than anywhere else in the country with black women suffering the worst outcomes. Halpern warned that many legislators in the Senate think they know more about women's health than the patient herself. Halpern says this issue goes beyond abortion. We do not have an abortion safety crisis in this state. We have a sexual health crisis. We have a sex education crisis. We have a foster care crisis. And we even have a maternal health crisis. The 31st annual Georgia Bar Media and Judiciary Conference was held February 24th. This year's conference included a panel of experts who spoke about parental rights in education. 
Ambria Burton has the story. The education panel discussed an overall shift in the past few years regarding how schools tackled COVID, public health, parental rights, and curriculum. One topic raised during the discussion about COVID was about the lack of uniformity among local school districts and how they approached the pandemic. Nicole Carr, a ProPublica investigative journalist, mentioned how data usage determined COVID protocol decisions that vastly differed among the school districts. This data to drive decisions, if that's what's driving COVID protocol decisions, um, we're only as good as the data we collect, right? That was another difference that we saw between school districts. Uh, when you are not counting cases the same way, or you stop contact tracing before this one or that one, you have different types of information available to drive your decisions. Um, APS, I believe, is one of the few districts in the country that funded an epidemiologist in the beginning of this to, to come up with a plan uh, for how we measure the harm. The pandemic opened the door for more discussion about parental rights. There are several bills in the General Assembly related to wearing masks, content in school books, and critical race theory. What they all have in common is giving parents a stronger voice in their local school districts. Maureen Downey, a longtime AJC reporter, said that many of these bills won't have an impact. Downey says the problem is that they would not put a stop to conversations about race and racism under the guise of banning critical race theory. She said Georgia educators are not actually teaching critical race theory in their classrooms. We probably will see one of those bills. If not passed, it will, it will definitely go, go, go to the floor for a vote. And again, that's uh, under the guise of divisive concept. It really is the response to critical race theory, which was a manufactured um, sort of hysteria about whether or not that, that concept, which apparently comes from the field of law and teaches about embedded racism at the institutional level, including in the courts, in, in policing, how that has somehow infiltrated the schools and seems to be everywhere, according to these parents. Jason Estevez, the board chair of the Atlanta Public Schools, gave his perspective of why Georgia Republicans are fighting educational content and parental rights. He says it could be that they saw other Republican legislators in other states benefit from these type of bills. 2022 is an election year. Estevez says all this debating is just a ploy for votes. The, the only reason that these bills are being considered in the legislature or because politically it worked for Republicans in Virginia and elsewhere across the country late last year uh, to win elections. And because we are an election year in Georgia, it's the perfect opportunity to galvanize their base. Panelists encouraged the media to do a better job framing how it covers controversial issues such as critical race theory and content in textbooks. If parents complain, they should be specific in their criticisms. ProPublica journalist Nicole Carr said that based on her research, there are actually very few, if any, complaints about critical race theory across Georgia. In a wide records request to the state, I can sit here today and say there are currently no formal complaints of CRT with the State Board of Education, where you would file and explicitly say, uh, this is being taught at my school. We need the state to step in. 
the issues of critical race theory, parental rights, and textbook materials are still under debate in the Georgia General Assembly. For Go Dome Debrief, I'm Ambria Burton. The Georgia National Fairgrounds and Agri-Center hosted the Georgia National Rodeo over the weekend, an event that drew cowboys and cowgirls from across the country. Alex Guevara has the story. Once again, we say hello and welcome to the Georgia National Rodeo. How y'all feeling on Friday night, are you? The Georgia National Fairgrounds and Agri-Center in Perry hosted this year's Georgia National Rodeo from February 24th to February 26th. This is the 32nd year for the annual rodeo. The rodeo kicked off with the national anthem sung by Commissioner of Agriculture Gary Black. Spectators filled the seats to get a view of the action as cowboys from across North America came together to ride bareback and saddled horses, fight bulls, and tie down cattle. While these events are typical for rodeos, some people may not know that the Georgia National Rodeo is an officially sanctioned event by the Professional Rodeo Cowboy Association. This is important because rodeo participants earned points at the event to help them qualify for the national finals held every December in Las Vegas. On top of that, cowboys gathering all in one place helps breed the camaraderie that keeps the sport lively and popular. Bareback rider Hunter Ramsey traveled to Perry from El Dorado, Arkansas. He says there's a team spirit among all the participants in the event. The way we look at it, man, it's not, we're not riding against each other. It's us against that horse, and that horse is our dancing partner. Maggie Lane, Chief Marketing and Business Development Officer for the Fairgrounds, says the rodeo sold out its tickets at the Reeves Arena for the weekend events. The Reeves Arena can fit 5,400 audience members at maximum capacity. Lane says the rodeo is the second largest event at the fairgrounds, only beaten by the Georgia National Fair. Every fiscal year, the fairgrounds provides hundreds of millions of dollars in economic impact for Georgia. We're a huge factor for economics and economic growth in the area. We're um, a huge landmark for tourism and all of the economic impact that provides to our local businesses um, all along Perry and Warner Robins area. Aaron Flournoy, Marketing and Special Programs Assistant at the Georgia National Fairgrounds, says that while most of the income generated by the rodeo is through ticket sales, the event also provides an economic boost for Perry through tourism. Flournoy says that because the rodeo happens at the same time as the state livestock show, spectators and participants come from all over and stay in on-site RV parking and local hotels and visit shops in Perry. The rodeo also provides a place for vendors to sell products and services. Professional rodeo announcer Kelly Kenny hosted the events before the live crowd. Rodeo ticket holders were treated to performances by Georgia's own Professional Rodeo Cowboy Association recognized rodeo clown Rockin' Robbie Hodges. Before we do that, we gotta say hello to a home state entertainer, world-renowned funny guy. It's the one and only Rockin' Gold Dome Debrief, I'm Alex Guevara. Thank you for joining us for this week's Gold Dome Debrief. This week's podcast was produced at Kennesaw State University by the Center for Sustainable Journalism and Fresh Take Georgia. Josh Azriel is the podcast news manager, Gary Green is the executive producer, 
Lindsay Carter is the podcast editor. Please join us next week for the next edition of Gold Dome Debrief.